joining me again on another episode of the best of both worlds podcast i still remain your favorite host at daytire and i'm always always excited to come here to bring you another topic of discussion as you know the reason why we started this podcast was to you know create a community of great conversations so where we can talk about things that affect us as humans um so today on the show um like i always do i'm not alone today on the show um it's the 23rd of november and today happens to be the 18th episode how amazing <laughs> so first let me thank you for joining me as always and for all of you who have been with us from the first episode till now i want to say a big thank you to you you are a star and as you know we're getting towards um, the end of the year but this 2020 is not the usual year that we always have so things are a bit slow a normal year we'll have a lot of activities a lot of invitations going out already for events and all of those but right now everywhere is just like kind of like dry but we get it, it's 2020, but we're thankful that we at least are here to talk about this year and we're thankful for good health. Today, I'm talking about one of Africa's great personality. Unfortunately, uh, on November 12, 2020, it was announced that um, this person passed on and he's Jeremiah Jerry Rollins, known as JJ Rollins. And, um, it was announced that he passed on until November 12th and we also heard that he passed on from the COVID-19 complications unfortunately so this is just a reminder that COVID is still out there so let's do whatever we can as possible to you know keep ourselves safe so but this great personality was not someone I, I know so much about the little I know about Jerry Rollins was what I you know see on TV and uh, read in papers but uh, after his death you know the way people die and you start you know learning a lot of things about them so I took my time to go further to um, do more research and um, I also found out that um, he's one of Ghana's great revolutionists and uh, that's not just it it means a lot to Ghanaians as a whole so I thought to myself it's more better to just you know get someone from Ghana to you know you know do an highlight on who Jerry Rollins was while he lived and um, fortunately uh, I spoke to one of my friends in Ghana um, Cypress his name is Chris and uh, he gave me a contact but that contact now gave me this contact that I have right now uh another great coincidence is my guest on the show today happens to share the same initials with this guardian personality jj the name of my guest today is jacob johnson atapa known as jj to his friends so you know the way they say um greatness attracts another greatness and you know all those things right now. I think I'm, I just happen to be fortunate to be in contact with him and having him on the show today. And let me make a confession. By the time I saw his profile, I thought to myself, hmm, I desire. Are you sure you can pull this off? Because you need to go and, you know, really, really prepare. Because I saw his profile and I was like, wow, 
I hope, I, I also asked them, I said, I hope we'll be able to, you know, cover the whole thing in the short time that we usually have on this show because I know that as humans, our audio uh, attention is quite low. So we try to keep the podcast as low as possible. Jacob Johnson Atakba is a two time winner of Ghana University's debate championship from 2017 to 2018 and that's not all he also won best speaker ghana university's debate championship in the year 2018 so you can tell how i felt when i saw his profile like i'm going to be having another great conversation with you some of his hobbies actually include reading debating and having deep conversations about moral philosophy, sustainability, and international relations. And that's not all. Uh, his master's in climate change and sustainable development, uh, which means he's an ent- enthusiast of the SDG 13, which has to do with uh, you know protecting our climate and you know ensuring we have a good environment. Um, he may be an environmentalist. Uh, I will let him tell us that when he comes on the show. So join me in welcoming JJ Atakba. Hi JJ. Hello Ade. Thank you very much. Uh, it is so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I actually had to, you know, bring myself up to, you know, I, I told myself, babe, you need to brace up for this podcast because you are having someone one debate. You know, I'm, I'm like, uh, I had to, you know, think it to myself again, like, okay, are you sure you're going to do this? You have to pull this off no matter what. <laughs> How is Ghana presently? How is the atmosphere? Uh, well, we're still reeling from the shock of the death of one of our former presidents, but can say we're we're heading towards the election. The election is in two weeks' time, so all spirits are high. Political campaign is an all-time high, and well, everything is okay. We're hoping for a peaceful election yet again. Yeah, you know the way we learn about all those African leaders when names like Thomas Sankara, Robert Mugabe, Muammar Gaddafi. Charles Taylor, Sonia Bacha, Pobia. When those names come to here, one thing strikes you about their personality. Is it that you, you, you think, oh, this one uh, is known for being a dictator, this one, you know, was uh, clamped down on opposition and media and press and all of those, or maybe one was about, you know, bringing uh, economic revolution to their country, which simply tells us that all of these African leaders have their own distinct personality. But for Jerry Rollins, what would you tell us about that thing that, you know, stood him out as an African leader and one of Ghana's longest serving presidents? Well, uh, let me start by saying that Jerry Rollins of well, blessed memory now happens coincidentally to be my mentor. He's one of my mentors. and. Wow. I really look up to him a lot, and so I hope that he's resting in the bosom of our father. But, so, um, can I say accept our condolences? Thank you very much. Thank okay. you very much. So, the man Rollins, right? The man Jerry Rollins. Many have come to know him as the, as it were, the midwife of our fourth republic here in Ghana. You know, we've had three republics in the past, and we are currently in our fourth republic. So. He is the very individual who birthed next to our fourth republic into what it is now. So Jerry Rawlings hails from a part of the country we know as 
Jalil Kofi, he was born to a Ghanaian woman, and but his father was a Scottish officer who was then resident here in Ghana. So, on, or should I say the Gold Coast, what, what we've come to know as Ghana. So, he was okay. born somewhere in Jalil Kofi, attended Achimoto School, moved on to join the army and became flight lieutenant at a point in time. He became okay. flight lieutenant at a point in time, a rank he held till he transitioned to multi-party democracy and became our president of the Fourth Republic. Many people have come to know him as one charismatic leader that many times come to mind when you talk of military leaders who've transitioned to become democratically elected leaders in yeah. sub-Saharan Africa. So that is that is who we've come to know as Jerry Rollins. But uh, a couple of interesting facts about him is that many people refer to him as the most charismatic leader Ghana has had since I, I, I think I'll agree with and, that. Yeah, and <laughs> and we've come to see that a lot a lot of our brothers and sisters from Nigeria have fallen in love with the same with the same person, and mm-hmm. this is because many times when when you try to compare leadership of Ghana, when, when it comes to head of state and all those things, yeah. you realize that when you take aside uh, Osage Fokwam and Goma who fought and won independence for Ghana, you've had very few leaders who command such respect. Yes. Regardless of, regardless of whichever part of the country that you come from. So a lot of people know him. So when you talk of the values that characterize his person, you can talk of integrity talk of probity you can talk of accountability and those were coincidentally the three values on which he pinned the 1981 revolution or what we've come to know as the final coup of the coups in ghana so the 1981 revolution happened to be the last the last military coup guitar that we've had in that we had in ghana So yeah, so when you talk of the values that stood in mouth, those are some of the things that you can look out to. You can also look out to Pan-Africanism because he believed in the idea that the likes of Kwame Nkrumah, Nelson Mandela, Julius Nyerere, Steve Biko and the likes all professed that yeah. there was a need for the African continent to stand as one. Uh-huh. And so those are some of the things that you look you look out for when you refer to the man Jerry Rawlings. Many people have described him in several lights. People call him Junior Jesus. And it is also worthy of note that some European writers refer to him as the amazing dictator. And you find that it is not often that you find those two words in a single sentence referring to one single man. Yeah. Some writers call him the amazing dictator. Yeah. So when you talk of Rawlings, those are some of the things that come to mind. Okay, um, talking about his dictatorship, we all know, looking at the history of African leaders who have been dictators, you know, bringing dictatorship and um, amazing in one sentence is not something you find usual. But I realized that um, despite the fact that um, Jerry Rollins, you know, led a two-time coup in Ghana, and even though, you know, he transitioned into democracy, we also understand that a lot of people didn't so much condemn him for that. Am I correct? Yeah, uh, to a certain extent, you know, because um, so for a man like Rawlings, 
you have as many people hating him but in that same light you have twice as many people loving him and there were reasons for that regardless because and you know that the problem is with the kind of system that was run what you what we know as a military dictatorship right yeah what we know as a military dictatorship and because it was a revolution and then the people wanted it sort of regardless of that fact there were excesses so so a lot of scandals and uh should i say unfortunate events that marred that period of Ghana's history so from somewhere 1979 through to 1981 and all through to somewhere 1991 where we were getting ready for the, for the birth of the fourth republic so there were lots of things that happened within those periods when he was a military dictator under the pndc uh, what we call the provisional national defense council so uh with regards to his personality yeah some people do not like him and well some people also love him so for somebody like me i would i would not hide the fact that i i fell in love with his personality several <laughs> times did you ever meet him yes yes uh, it happened it happened somewhere and i think was it 20 it was somewhere 2019 uh, i'd helped some colleagues or uh, should i say some friends of mine organize a program program back in my my university where I pursued my undergraduate degree and so he was invited as a speaker and I had the opportunity a very rare should I say privilege wow. of meeting of meeting Jerry John Rollins <laughs> so he spoke to us so he spoke to us about a couple of things and because some things like the murder of or I, yes let me call it that the murder of some high court judges especially those were the peaks of the injustices that happened during his time and many times people would, people would like to say that you cannot necessarily blame him are you referring to the house cleaning exercise yes and not not just limited to that i mean the house cleaning exercise composed of the the the, the execution of former heads of state who were found guilty by military courts of wow. embezzlement of state funds and all those things Mm. yes and all those things and then proponents of the regime at the time justified those things and of course opponents of the regime also demonized those actions however there are lots of other things that happened that as some of us like to call him chairman rollins did not necessarily approve of or did not have did not have the final authority on so and because it was a military regime a lot of the things that happened were under the auspices of soldiers and so soldiers may not necessarily wait for the leader of the regime who was chairman rollins at the time to give a direct order and take go ahead and do this but they may take the laws into their own hands and try to do anything but primarily a soldier or the head of the regime must necessarily be in authority at the time so regardless of whether or not he gave the final green light or the go ahead to execute anybody or to kill anybody the blame is always laid at his doorstep of and course. that is one problem with the revolution but that aside the revolution was important in setting us on the path that we currently are because i doubt that without that revolution we would be where we are today and then there's this thing that there's this statement that chairman rollins always said he said that for any coup to be successful the atmosphere must call for it in in effect the citizens of any country where a coup was going to happen must really ask for the coup 
they must really want the coup to happen. So, and this is evident in the fact that if you remember very well, somewhere, I think in 2014 or 2015, I'm not sure of the date, but some years back, there was about to be a coup d'etat in Turkey to oust President Erdogan. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then when he got wind of the plot, he simply sent out a telecast and told the citizens to flood the streets in order to call the coup attempt. And clearly, because the citizens were in love with Erdogan at the point in time, they flooded the street and then the coup was slipped in its bag. Yeah. And that lends credence to the fact that Rollins always said, for any coup to succeed, the people must call for it. Mm. So for any coup to be legitimate, the people must accept that coup. And essentially, the people accepted the 79 coup, they accepted the 81 coup, and that essentially has put us on this path that we currently are on. Oh, okay. So looking at um, its ascension to governance from the coup to, you know, democratic election, would you say all of his time as a leader or head of state of Ghana was beneficial to the growth of Ghana in general? Yeah, 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 yeah. Essentially, yes. I would say that because, I mean, if you decide to blot out that particular part of our history, yes, Ghana will not be where it is today. For the revolution to occur, everything that was put in place had to, to happen. Succeed. Wow, I see. Interesting. Yes, for where we are now, essentially. So even for for people who demonize the revolution, they always give credit to the fact that if the revolution did not come with its excesses, they were okay with the revolution. And so the only, the only blot of ink that, as it were, did not make the revolution a perfect one was the excesses that it came with, the extrajudicial killings that it came with, and the violence that it came with. But for that aside, the revolution is what has made Ghana what it is to be. And for Chairman Rawlings himself, he prides himself in one particular thing that he did for the nation, by making sure that electricity, as it were, reached every nook and cranny of the country at the time. So if, if you study uh, the Ghana's electricity, or should I say energy sector, you realize that uh, the Kosovo Dam was was a project initiated by Kwame Nkrumah. So that was during the time that we were fighting for independence and post-independence. We needed a stable supply of electricity to power our aluminium industry back then, what we come to know as Valco. So all those things were important to Nkrumah. So we set up the Kosovo Dam. And since Nkrumah's time, the only other head of state that as it were added on to added on to that uh, power power generation was a champion and from a champion little had been done to extend power to other places so some of the head of states heads of states that came decided to up the power generation a bit very minimal but there was constantly no efforts to make sure that power supply was sent out to everybody so they were okay with adding on to the power supply and making sure that those who were already benefiting from the power supply kept benefiting but there was little to no effort in making sure that it reached everywhere so chairman rollings in somewhere 82 embarked on what he called the rural electrification project sent out electricity to almost every nook and cranny in Ghana and made sure that it added on significantly to the power generation. And so all these things, that's of course, and when the power started going to many places, industrialization went on rapidly, had several calls to investors out there, traveling the world here and there, ensuring international investors that it was okay, the atmosphere in Ghana was safe to invest in. And those are the things that he prides himself himself in. And so, if you take away the excesses, 
the revolution was very important for Ghana at that point in time because a lot of things had been going on wrong. The corruption was every, corruption was everywhere. The social stratification was so bad that the top one percent was benefiting largely from the state, whilst the bottom was essentially being robbed. Wow. So that that was it. So the revolution was very important in our political history. It had to happen. If I had my way, the excesses would not have happened. But then again, you 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 really cannot have a perfect system. As a scientist, I can no no system works hundred percent. So the excesses happened, and then that marred the revolution. But then again, the revolution had to happen. Okay, so it's safe to say that all of his contributions, you know, steered Ghana to the economic stability it it, it, it is right now. Yes. Hmm. And talking about electricity, you you know, <laughs> bring me back to Nigeria because. That is one thing since independence we have not been able to make stable, we've not been able to achieve. So is it also safe to say we need a revolution back here to also, you know, have a stable economy? <laughs> uh, well, the, the Nigerian political terrain is one that is quite complex. It's quite complex. So it to, to, as it were, pro, yes, to, as it were, prescribe a solution as in the form of a revolution to a Nigerian situation is something that I will not do because you need to essentially study the intricacies of any system to be able to pro pro produce or prescribe a solution. But I think that with looking at where the world is heading towards and uh, like you said, I'm a sustainability scientist, so I look more into renewable energy, right? Yeah. renewable energy and people say these things a lot that africa is blessed with the sun and all those things and it is very true but we we find it difficult to transfer our blessings into things that will work for us because perfectly right exactly. so i think that even though it, yeah so i think that even though ghana has been able to as it were solve its back then solve its electricity supply problem by damming the river volta I think it will be a bit unfair to say that if Nigerians dam the Niger River, then possibly it's going to solve your electricity problems. But I think we should now be looking more towards uh, more towards renewables. And like and and like many many scientists see, and for myself, I also believe this that the supply problem or the the demand problem of electricity has become an economic issue. Has become a, an economic issue for Nigeria. Yeah. Hence, it will be very disingenuous to provide a political solution, which is a revolution, to an economic issue of the demand for power supply. So it will be a tad disingenuous if I say a revolution is, going, is what's going to solve Nigeria's problems. However, I think that we need to study intimately the problem that exists in Nigeria, those who benefit from the unavailability of power and those who profit of the system to be able to address that particular problem. So I think that Nepal should look more into renewables. And in Ghana, something similar is going on where one, we have two hydroelectric, hydroelectric dams in Ghana, prominent ones. We have the Akosombo Dam, we have the Bui Dam. And when you look at the Bui Dam, the Bui Dam was, very, was a very recent project. It was completed somewhere in 2009. And even though it is a hydroelectric project, they are, as it were, for want of a better word, diversifying. So there's also a solar plant there. There's also a solar plant. So yeah. that is complementing 
the issue of the hydroelectric power because of the issue of climate change and we don't know how reliable our water supply and everything is going to be you, you get but it, it's safe to say in terms of electricity ghana has no problem right well we faced problems in the past so for yeah for so for a period in for a period in our existence uh, somewhere between 2005 to somewhere 2000 some of the years i'm not so sure of the years but we face issues of power rationing and all those things but uh, former president john mahama uh, who is currently contesting again anyway was able to procure some ipps independent power supplies to to be able to augment the power supply from both the akosombo dam and Dam. so currently i can say we are facing no such problems but you see the problem is that as we are maintaining our power supply we should also be noting that our population is also increasing and so the demand for power supply is also increasing so at this point in time the motive then should not be to maintain the power supply but to increase the power supply so we need to look at more ways of generating more power for the industry and i think that is that is that is a path that ghana is going on through the national development planning commission so i i, I would say that for now we do not have power issues however I can predict that if you do not do anything about increasing our power supply, maximum two to three years, we would face the same problem again. Well, I, I hope that's not going to happen. I, I feel jealous as a Nigerian because I sincerely hope so. <laughs> electricity. <laughs> I know, I know the problem. I know the problem with electricity in Nigeria. I, I, I have a lot of friends there. Trust me, and you know we believe back here. We believe that if our government can get our electricity working, it will bridge a huge gap between development and the states that we have right now. Yeah. So at the back of my mind, I'm just hoping that somewhere in the Ministry of Energy they make it work and maybe borrow a book from Ghana and see how you guys made it work. <laughs> and strangely, that that is a thing. So many people, many social commentators say that when it comes to African countries, we're able to copy all the wrong things that are going on in sister african countries but when it comes to the right things we fail to do that and so there are a lot of good things that are going on in nigeria and are going on in ghana that we can learn from each other but we're only copying the wrong things we only and, look and to the problem. western world and we us. need to stop doing that because we've exactly. done that over time and it, we've not got any good results so i think it's high time we change our strategy okay uh, I, I wasn't actually expecting us to dive into the electricity aspects that much <laughs> But apparently, I, I enjoyed some yeah. of the nuggets. I enjoyed some of the nuggets that you gave there. So I'm hoping if I have the opportunity to reach out to um, our minister Fashila down here, I'll be able to you know tell him some of the things you just spoke about right now. So let's um, no problem. That's let's fine. look at leadership issue of Ghana. We would agree that um, the set of leadership paved way and you know made sacrifices for the kind of atmosphere that we have in Ghana right now. Yeah. So you looking at Nigeria or as a case study, or let's put Africa as a whole, because Africa is still amongst one of the developing continents that we have right now. And it's quite unfortunate because this is the continent that you have most of these resources that is supposed to, you know, build the continent, but we don't have that growth that we expect. So would you recommend 
a military kind of government or the democratic kind of government for the African space for us to be able to achieve that development that we deserve? Well, it is a complex web to navigate because currently what we can see is that there are there are still some military regimes across the across the continent. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to call them exact. Yeah, I wouldn't want to call them uh, uh, democracies because they are essentially pseudo democracies. If we should call them that, yeah. they are pseudo democracies. So yes, but then they are dictatorships, or should I say, military governments. And I think that many times there are too many excesses that come with them, right? Yeah. There are too. So many- it, it is not to say that military government is totally bad right no because many times they come with some perks they come with discipline and all those things and then many some social scientists have professed that idea that the kind of leadership that we need the kind of leadership that we need in africa is the military leadership but i i I beg to differ because with, with regards to democracy and all those things there are a lot of perks that we get from democracy we have the rule of law and we have all those things right so that yeah. is good that is good for us and that is good for us but those are the kind of things that you do not get in a dictatorship so in a dictatorship you do not have the rule of law you don't have fair hearing and all those things several human rights abuses also exist under that part so i try to think that we would want to trade off all these things for as it were the, the discipline that we have under a military rule right and so you usually do not have any proper as it were channels to address your concerns in a military however for a democracy it is good so as I, I, for me i would propose that we should have a reform of the kind of democracy that we have because and this is a famous statement that was made popular by uh, former president barack obama when he visited ghana some years back when he says that africa does not need strong men africa needs strong institutions Chairman Rawlings had said this a long time ago. He says that we need to build a system in Ghana such that even when the devil became the head of state, he would have no option but to do the will of the people. Exactly. So, essentially, yes, essentially he was saying that we need to have a good system, not necessarily necessarily a dictatorship or whatsoever it is, but we just need to have a good system. A good system that would ensure that whoever it is that becomes head that becomes head of state would become responsible to the citizens, and so that is it. And I think that the best system that gives us that is a democracy where the systems work. So it is not just a system that is benefiting a select few people, but a system works for everybody 24/7. The system is working, and so I want to prescribe a system of democracy. For Africa. Or in Nigeria's case, a reformed form of democracy. Exactly. Where things like SARS and all those things do not happen. Where <laughs> SARS becomes a thing of the past. I was very passionate when the end SARS movement happened because regardless of the human rights abuses that there were, I was personally attached to it because I have family in Nigeria. Oh. I have family in Nigeria and I have friends in Nigeria. My debates, my debate career has taken me to a point where I have friends in 
mainly sub-Saharan African countries. And wow. so anything that happens in any of the countries largely touches me because I wouldn't want to hear that something bad has happened to any of my friends in, in any of the countries. So I was largely involved in the NSTARS movement here and there because essentially <laughs> that is what I could do from this small corner of mine. Wow, thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So, um, JJ, um, let's uh, round up for uh, the show. So, from everything you've said, uh, to me, I also find um, Jerry Rollins to be one very undaunted person. Um, I, I find him to be very brave as well. And um, someone who, who know, promotes Pan-Africanism as well. And yeah. I like his, his charisma. Um, you know, it's the type of yes. person that will walk into a room and, you know, heads will turn. You, you cannot but notice him. You can't help but notice him. So um, for yeah. me, I, I, like most Nigerians would wish, you know, we also wish we had a leader like Jerry Rollins. You had a leader like him. I, I have, I get, I get this from many of my friends. I get this from many of my friends in Nigeria so, that they wish they had a leader like Jerry Rollins in exactly, Nigeria. Exactly, trust me, because Nigerians are, you know, retired, we've had it. We are yearning for yeah. a change. We, we want a better environment for ourselves. But uh, as it is right now, we have a quite unfortunate <laughs> situation. But let's probably, <laughs> we'll probably put that for another discussion. Maybe, you know, schedule another, <laughs> another meeting no for another <laughs> So thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for, you know, sharing your insights on um, Jerry Rollins. And wait, how do you feel, you know, sharing the same initials with him, JJ? Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it was deliberate. I don't know if it was deliberate by my parents, but it just happened to be a coincidence. And when I started reading about him as an individual, uh, that was growing up, I just all of a sudden just fell in love with him. Wow. I just fell in love with him. So, yeah. <laughs> so, reading about Ghana's political history and all those things, I just fell in love with the man. And I, I must say, I'm honored to share the same initials with him. Mm, you have to be. <laughs> so, um, before we put the show to an end, um, I would like to say all the best towards the coming election in Ghana. Thank you very much. So, we wish you all the best and we hope you will get the the president that you deserve. <laughs> Thank you. Let me put it that way. All right, JJ, um, for people who are listening, uh, who would like to connect with you on social media, just, you know, give us your social media and know where they can connect with you. Uh, so on Facebook, I'm Jacob Johnson Atakpa. On Twitter, um, at JJ underscore Atakpa. Okay, good. So um, thank you for everyone who was listening up to this moment. This is where we come to the end of today's episode of the podcast. And if you would like to connect with us on Instagram, it is B-O-B-W podcast. And on Twitter, it is B-O-B-W underscore podcast. And if you like to um, listen to the podcast on any platform, uh, it could be Anchor FM, Google Podcast, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Radio Republic, and Spotify. Feel free to connect with us and um, um, just give us a thumbs up on the podcast. That will be very, very appreciable. So until I come your way again on another episode of the podcast, keep keeping safe and as we hope to you know have a good uh, christmas and new year we do not want to have any bad episode again it's uh, we've had enough in this 2020 so we hope to transition into a new 2021 so till i come your way again thank you for listening i am a detail 
Uh, so, JJ, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Adita. All right. So have a great day. You too. Bye.